Welcome to episode 53 of the Ask Achieve show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be discussing nutrient timing, tips for training for the military, our thoughts on posture bars, and open chain versus closed chain exercises. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What is up, Achievers? Hi, Episode fifty-three. Yeah, we have a kind of a busy day today. We've already um, given a talk for our interns mm-hmm. at Achieve. Um, we did a little vision talk and kind of walked them through um, the beginning of beginning stages of Achieve, setting it up, our our background stories, and mm-hmm. kind of where we came from um, and how our experiences as like younger individuals sort of shaped our um our feelings about how fitness should be portrayed and how how we wanted to set up achieve so that was really fun um and we got some really great questions from them as well on just Mm -hmm. like how we do things that achieve and how things run and it was a really good time yeah we we do a little vision talk uh for every hire that comes in for um, yeah, I guess every internship moving forward, um, basically anytime someone is going to be a part of the organization for, um, you know, a longer term period, we, we do some sort of vision talk, uh, just because we think it's so important to not just like tell them what our core values are and what our culture and community should be like, but the reasoning and the rationale behind it and connect with them on like a personal and like a story level so that they feel connected to it as well. Instead of just being like, buzzwordy like loyalty and honor but actually understanding why we came up with those in, in the first place is uh, is super important so yeah yeah so that was this morning and now this afternoon or this evening we're going to be going to be guest lecturers at mm-hmm. a um per, uh, physical therapy course that or class at mgh yeah um two of our coaches Haley and miguel actually put together this course they're in pt school right now and they put together this elective class um because they thought that it was really important for pts to have more of a strength and conditioning um background a little bit more education in strength and conditioning which we totally love and and agree with and we think that vice versa a lot of coaches could use good pts in their lives to help them um to understand what where pts are coming from and where they're working so Mm -hmm. we're going to be talking a lot about um we're going to be talking about programming but then we're also going to be talking about just how we collaborate with with physical therapists and um that process for us and what that looks like and hopefully just kind of breaking down some of the barriers that are there between pts and coaches and trainers um because we do see that happening a lot is that there's this kind of disconnect or this um, either whether it's ego or whether it's like a, a lack of confidence. There's some reason that trainers tend to not refer. Well, excuse me. <laughs> Hang up. Uh, not refer out to PTs and also reasons that PTs are hesitant to uh, refer their clients once they're done with PT to a trainer. Um, so we want to talk about the ways that we can make those lines of communication better and kind of open up that because we should really be working together. Yeah, we've got an incredible network of physical therapists that we work with um, just all around Boston, greater Boston. It's great because we trust all of them. So it's basically up to uh, our member or whatever person that we're working with and just telling them, hey, where do you work or what like what location is best for you? And then we just send them off to that location um, yeah. to get looked at and checked out. So, yeah. 
So looking forward to that. And in the meantime, we're going to record this podcast. Mm -hmm. Let's <laughs> so do it. Let's do it. Let's get started. So we have four questions today. First one comes from Bar Bartoteca. And they said, <laughs> low-carb breakfast and strength training before breakfast. Um, so just kind of topics to touch on there. Yeah. Um, so I think we, we wanted to discuss just the, the overall topic of nutrient timing. I think um, that's become more of like a popular thing to talk about along with like macros and stuff like that. Um, and I think um, we touched upon this at Fit 101 and um, Lauren kind of just like put things a little bit more in perspective upon not missing the forest for the trees kind of thing. Yeah. So nutrient timing, like when, how to time your food and how to time certain macronutrients. Um, it's sort of a small rock in a series of larger rocks that are much more important when it comes to nutrition. Um, and I think that people put a lot more emphasis on it than they really should, or mm -hmm. that, that really um, is necessary. So something that I like realized in my personal journey too, is that it, really doesn't matter that much. <laughs> um, it really doesn't make that much of a difference. I used to be somebody who was like no carbs after 5 PM and yeah. like, yeah, all the, all the little rules about when to time your carbs and when to time your proteins and all those things. And really in reality, if you get the right amount of overall calories that your body needs and the right amounts of each of those macronutrients and I'm talking generally, I don't think that it's usually necessary also to like count out the amount of grams that you're having of each macronutrient. Um, I usually, I think that's also a little bit further than most people need to go with their nutrition. Yeah. Um, but just having a balanced diet in general, eating, choosing good quality foods, um, having a lot of vegetables in your diet, like high quality proteins and whole grains rather than like processed carbs and refined carbs. Um, those choices are the really important choices. And then beyond that, you can, if you're still feeling like, okay, I'm doing all these things right. And I still am looking for results a little beyond what I'm seeing. Then that's when you can start to think about things like nutrient timing, or maybe going a little bit more in depth into counting calories or, or trying to figure out portion control. Um, but yeah, the, the, like low carb breakfasts and or low carb dinners, things like that. It it just doesn't matter as much as people make it. Seem. Yeah, I think people really jumped on some of those like trains like early on when that like um like when those became popular. But then a lot of that stuff actually got really debunked with the whole like intermittent fasting stage as well, right? Right. And um, people I think kind of delved into like like what's actually at play here because intermittent fasting is like the complete opposite approach of all that, but it, it has been shown that it works as well. So it's like all these approaches work because they're built on a foundation of actually handling the big rocks. Right. Which is usually slight calorie restriction if you're looking for weight loss mm -hmm. um, and, and better portion control in general um, and better food choices in general. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even I think there were a lot of studies that, that said that even things like timing protein after your workout, like people used to be crazy about <laughs> how quickly you needed to get protein in after a workout, or you're going to not be in an anabolic state anymore and yeah. you're going to lose your muscle. And, and even that has been debunked with research and mm -hmm. saying that like, as long as you're getting a good source of protein within like an hour or so of your workout, yeah. that's going to be perfect, perfectly fine for, for recovery. Yeah, and you don't yeah. need this like shot of protein into your veins in order to get directly after. <laughs> 
<laughs> right after the workout. So, um, yeah, I think that overall, just thinking more about the bigger picture is going to be important. Now, I do want to touch on some lower carb breakfast because that is possibly what they might possibly be talking about is just better options for breakfast mm-hmm. because a lot of breakfasts tend to be very high carb and not just high carb, but sort of not super helpful carbs and also um, not a lot of other macronutrients, like not a lot of vegetables or protein or anything else. Yeah, I mean, like, you go to a cafe, it's mainly just like scones and yeah. yeah, pastries, muffins, donuts, whatever. Right. Um, Bagel, cereal. Yeah, not not the most, um, yeah, not the most helpful options, I would yeah. say. So when I talked about carbs in my um, talk in, during Fit 101, actually, I kind of broke it down into um, helpful carbs and not so helpful carbs <laughs> um, because I don't like to talk about things in terms of good or bad in terms of like oh these are good carbs and these are bad carbs like everything has its time and place and like mm-hmm. a birthday cake is perfectly good if it's your birthday <laughs> and like that's a good carb in that moment um, but for the most part certain car- certain carbs tend to be a little bit more helpful for your body and certain carbs tend to be a little less helpful and those less helpful carbs tend to be those breakfast type options of like bagels and muffins and scones and all that. Um, So some good options for non-high-carb breakfasts are definitely eggs. I mean, we definitely recommend having eggs for breakfast as often as possible. Not only is it a better option, but eggs are really great for you in general. Um, Great source of protein, good healthy source of fat, um, and definitely something that you can like throw a bunch of veggies in, which is the, one of the easy, only ways really to get like vegetables in with breakfast without feeling like you're eating, eating a salad. salad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if, if you can throw in a bunch of chopped veggies into an egg scramble or into a, omelet. an omelet, yeah. that's great. I know that not everybody has time to do that in the morning. So another way to do that is to make either like little egg muffins, like you can do a muffin tin egg like little mini frittatas Mm -hmm. i've done that before those are really good you can throw a bunch of veggies into that and cook those up and have those for the week to heat up Um, you can make a whole frittata instead just like in a pan Um, and then other ones on the go are like yogurt and fruit is also a good option it's uh, fruit still is obviously has carbs but fruit is very good for you you shouldn't avoid fruit (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that's also a good option for something that's quick and easy and then smoothies are a good option as well so if you can blend up a smoothie or if you have shakes at the at the gym that you go to um, that's definitely a good option yeah what was the one that we had for quite a while it was like the green green monster was it actually called the Green Monster? Oh, no, that's at Achieve. That's at Achieve, yeah. Oh, yeah, what was it called? Basically, it was like spinach, banana, protein powder, and something else, right? Almond milk? Was that and it? And almond milk, yeah. that was it, yeah. And, I mean, we had that every day for probably like a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> and it was awesome. It, it was great. called the Green Machine, I forget. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, and it was delicious. Uh, we just kind of got sick of it after a certain point, and <laughs> yeah. now we've got a shape bar at the gym, so we just use that. Um, but yeah, those are all great options. Yeah. So hopefully cool. that helps gives you some, give you some options, but also know that it doesn't like, you don't have to avoid carbs at any certain point throughout the day or, or put them at any certain time. It's okay to have carbs with every meal. Just yeah. make sure that they're smart carbs, like fruits and vegetables and whole grains. Yeah. Perfect. Cool. All right. Question number two. This is from Rice and Rice and Nanas. <laughs> um, and they asked, workout tips to prepare for the military. Okay. So this was kind of a broad question. Um, I'm going to tackle it in terms of like more than likely they're going to talk, they're talking about like the, the classic like push-up, sit-up, pull-up type of test, right? We have to get a certain amount of repetitions within a certain amount of time frame. 
Um, so I kind of kind of broke down like a little bit of a set and rep scheme and kind of how we would approach someone who are who is trying to accomplish, let's say, a push-up test. Um, these are just totally made up numbers based on just um, uh, making it a little bit easier to understand via podcast. But let's say someone, the gold standard was to try to hit 120 push-ups in two minutes. If you broke that down a little bit further, it would be 60 push-ups in a minute, which would mean one every second. And so how we would program for someone coming in trying to achieve that would be um, one of three ways. So let's say they were on a three-day program. One day a week, I would want... This is also assuming that they at least can do push-ups normally. Um, (laughs) One day a week, we'd want them to do weighted push-ups. So whether it's 5, 10, like... Or up to like 45, 50, 100 pounds, just like significantly weighted push-ups that really challenge them so that the body weight ones feel easier. So we'd want the strength to go up in their overall push-up pattern. So that's day one. Day two would be an overall volume day. So if they're trying to get 120 push-ups, but they can only complete, let's say, 50 push-ups in the two minutes, we'd want to slowly over time increase the volume of push-ups. And for these sorts of tests, we actually like to go beyond the number of reps required. So instead of going just to 120 push-ups, maybe we'll push them to 140, 150, 180 push-ups um, over the course of a slightly longer time period. So their their body gets used to pushing for a little bit longer and for more than the desired repetition range. And so that gets them, again, once it comes competition day, then they can actually access all that sort of um, reserve energy. And then for day three, we like to work on speed. So if someone, let's say, can complete 120 push-ups over the course of four minutes, they're probably, from a strength standpoint, okay. But from a speed standpoint, they need to basically just complete more reps in a shorter amount of time period. So something that we could do, this is just a, just an example, is we might have them do sets of 10 seconds of, as, as, of, of doing push-ups as quickly as possible. And the idea, idea here is to try to get, um, uh, let's say, 10 seconds of six push-ups at a time. And we'd want to complete as many sets as possible until they don't hit that criteria of six repetitions per 10 seconds. So as soon as they start to hit five or four or three push-ups within that 10-second time period, that means they're fatiguing and we don't want to just continue to pile up reps because we're just encouraging slower, less quality reps. So as soon as those repetitions dwindle down below six, then we'd cut that day and that workout short. Um, Now, once they can build up to, let's say, 12 rounds of six push-ups in those 10-second time periods, then we might build up the repetitions to seven. So seven push-ups within that 10-second time period. And eventually, they'll get to a point where they're doing the prescribed amount of push-ups per second for the entirety of the test. So we've got a weighted day, we've got a volume day, and we've got a speed day. And they're all kind of hopefully peaking all at the same time as long as we follow just a good, solid, conservative progression. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, and you can really apply that to anything. You can apply Any that to the, the pull-up, the setup yeah. test. Uh, but that's generally how we would go about doing that. Yeah. And then in general, otherwise, like, so that's for the requirements of, like, the military testing. Mm-hmm. And then otherwise, in general, for training people for the military, 
uh, a lot of carries and a lot of like carrying variations. Yeah. So like holding heavy, heavy kettlebells or carrying sandbags on their shoulders, um, things that are going to replicate similar situations that they may be in. Yeah. Um, being able to like mobility is going to be really important. Being able to crouch down <laughs> yeah. so squats and hinging and um, lunging Turkish getups, things where they have to go from being on the ground to standing up. Mm-hmm. So a lot of just sound training principles that we would use anyway. Yeah. Um, but making it when you relate it sometimes when you relate an exercise to something that somebody's going to be doing in real life it just helps to make it feel more like necessary or like I don't know, people just relate see to more it value better. In it. Yeah, yeah that's exactly um so was, that can be a nice thing to realize is that like this thing is actually it's not just a strength exercise or a gym exercise it's actually something that's going to relate to what i might be doing in in these real life situations so. yeah and and you know max strength is definitely going to be important but a little bit less important because most of their like workouts and like drill sessions and like tests and just what they might experience in real life is going to be more just like longer duration like kind of grueling manual labor type of stuff so we want to make sure that they're adequately prepared from a stamina endurance standpoint right cool cool all right question number three this one is from eris underscore dvg and she asks what's your opinion on posture braces or straps like to help fix around a back or shoulders thank you um it's a good question um so we see a lot of this um i think with like dancers or um do gymnasts do it no, we no. never used, or I never did. Yeah, I don't know okay. Other gymnasts. I, I guess did. just dancers. They have these like little posture bars to make sure that they have just good aesthetics while they're going through their, throughout their movements. Um, I think it's good only if it's used as an awareness thing, um, not as a mask of a like a strength or tightness thing. Hmm. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think that there is a certain amount of posture is awareness. Mm-hmm. So there definitely is that like that helpful reminder to just be like, Oh, sit up a little taller is mm-hmm. always good, but it also isn't necessarily a fix for a posture issue that might be. happening. Yeah. If you're looking at it as a long-term posture, like fixer, you're, you're probably actually making things worse because you're using something artificial to support you. And if you don't happen to have that thing on hand, then those muscles that are supposed to hold you up in the first place have, slowly just not been that have been neglected basically so our our idea ideal recommendation is to strengthen um you know your upper back more maybe stretch out your upper body like your pecs a little bit more open up your t-spine um and just just sound good training so deadlifting but make, making sure at the top of each deadlift standing up really tall at the top of each squat standing up really tall making sure you have good alignment in your push-ups and your rowing variations Uh, All that sort of good stuff is going to do a lot more for you than using an artificial brace. It will be like using a weight belt all the time to basically have a stronger core throughout your daily life as opposed to actually just building up your core musculature. So as long as you use it as just like an awareness thing to perform whatever skill you want to do, I think that's okay. But definitely not as a long-term posture corrector. Yeah, totally agree. I think other... um exercises that you can do are like chin tucks um because a lot of people just have like a forward Mm, head posture um and i don't even know if the braces or the straps even address forward head posture i think it's more like rounded shoulders more rounded shoulders Um, i think but a lot of the time the rounded shoulders kind of stem from this forward neck posture it's like your head's 
jutting forward so your shoulders round forward too so yeah. going against a wall and practicing just tucking your chin back and the back of your head pressing into the wall and then relaxing and doing that over and over again is also a way to strengthen some of those muscles in your neck that are going to help to support you and keep you a little bit more upright yeah. um, and serve as a good reminder so that's kind of a best of both worlds drill that you can do if you're if you're somebody who is worried about posture but wants to actually do some like exercises for it instead of just wearing a brace yeah perfect all right, and then Last we have one. one more question. This one is from Marcel Powers, and he said, question, I've just started looking into closed chain versus open chain exercises. Can you go into the difference between the two as well as situations where one would be better than another? Okay, so a closed chain exercise is something where either your feet or your hands are fixed. So an example of closed chain exercise would be a squat uh, another example would be a push-up, both where your hands or feet are firmly planted into the floor and then you're moving your body around it. An open chain exercise is something where your hands and feet are free to move and you're basically isolating that area. So something would be like an open chain exercise would be like a leg extension, um, a lying hamstring curl on a machine, um, a bicep curl, and basically what people have, uh, what researchers have come to found, find is that closed chain exercises replicate more functionality, more, uh, it has better application in terms of athleticism and just everyday life carryover. Um, and that kind of led to um, kind of like an extreme swing into only doing closed chain exercises. But there are a lot of benefits still to doing open chain exercises. Um, there's a lot of rehab benefits in terms of doing like, let's say a leg extension. If you're a knee rehab patient, like an ACL tear or whatever, uh, I know a lot of physical therapists use a leg extension machine in that regard. Um, rotator cuff exercises, uh, for those with shoulder pain, um, even just aesthetics. Like if you really want to isolate a joint, um, like let's say your biceps doing a bicep curl is totally fine. Um, so both, both are great Close, I would say you should probably strive to have the majority of your exercises be closed chain exercises because, again, they represent more like real life activity, like squatting and lunging and deadlifting and push ups. And it just has much more carryover to real life functional strength. But open chain exercises are great as well and have their time and place. What, uh, would a dumbbell chest press be considered open chain? Dumbbell chest press would be open chain, yeah. So there are some things that are like kind of compound exercises, but are still open chain. Yeah, that's there true. Are a couple, I mean, not not a ton, but mm -hmm. or like even a walking lunge or something like that. Yeah, would be open chain because you're moving. So there are some that are that kind of cross that line between like it's not all compound exercises are closed and all isolation exercises are open. Yeah, that's um, true. But it's mostly that way. Mm -hmm. But just thinking about some other ways that you can use open chain exercises that are still like pretty highly functional yeah um, things like a dumbbell chest press or or, or turkish get up turkish get up walking lunge yeah and a lot of those actually have very good stability benefits as well so yeah. if you're performing a turkish get up or you're doing a dumbbell chest press and you're moving your arms through space um your shoulder girdle has a lot to try to stabilize while you're performing a movement so yeah, a lot of stability benefits there as well. So yeah. yeah. So there's, yeah, there's no like one is better than the other, more right or wrong. Um, but those closed chain exercises are probably going to give you the most bang for your buck in the mo for the most part. Um, but there are some, some really beneficial open chain ones as well. Yeah. 
Perfect. Cool. All right. Well, those are all of our answers to your burning questions for today. We're super thankful for all of your questions and we, we love getting them. So keep on sending them over. You can DM us at Achieve Fitness Boston on Instagram. You can send us an email at podcast at AchieveFitnessBoston.com. We've also gotten a few new iTunes reviews, which we really, yes. really appreciate. And if you wouldn't mind hopping over to iTunes and leaving us a review there, that would be super, super helpful. And until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.